Hello. I'm just going to start this with a warning. I drank three cups of coffee this afternoon. So if I get that look in my eye, part of it, that's just who I am. Part of it might be the coffee. So I'm just warning you. I'm also a little hyped up on cactus juice. That's water. So if you'll stand with me tonight, let's do this declaration together. Say it like you mean it. Say it like you believe it. This is what it says. Let's say this together. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Let us pray. God, we exalt your name. Tonight we glorify you, we lift you up. I pray for these next few moments, Lord, that be exactly what I do, that I glorify your name, that I lift you up, that I speak your word, not worried about man's opinion, Lord, but only worrying about what you have to say. Lord, I pray you would anoint me, you'd use me, Lord, as I step out of your way and allow the Holy Spirit to speak and move. I pray your word will go out and accomplish what you have for it to accomplish. I pray it not be just something we hear, but it be something we do, we put into practice, and that it would become who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated tonight. I'm going to start, and I maybe hear preachers say this too much, possibly, but truly one of the most influential one of the most important scriptures, passages of a scripture in the whole Bible to me is this. And it's found in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. And my students know this passage well. We're going to start here. We're going to end up in John 17 here in just a little bit. This is what it says. Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is what it says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen. What a beautiful picture painted by Luke of the early church. Summing up what the early church was all about in just a few verses. I believe it shows us what the church is supposed to do, what the church is meant to look like, and who the church is supposed to be. 
Somewhere along the way, many have strayed from these core things. For some, church has just become something God never intended for it to be. Church has became a building for some people. Church is just a place. God never intended for the church to be a building or a place. The church is a people. For many, church is just something you go to. It's just something you're a part of one and a half to five hours a week. I say five, five is about the total amount of hours that we meet corporately as a body here at the Palace of Praise. It's not meant to be something you simply attend. Church is who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are meant to be 168 hours a week. This passage says, day by day, day by day. It wasn't something they just checked in and checked out of. We treat church like it's, we're on some basketball team and we come through the doors and we're ready and we're ready to check in and then we leave and we check out. That's not the way God intended church to ever be. God intended for it to be a group of believers who were the church every day. And that is why the early church was such a powerful force that spread the good news of the gospel quickly. We as the church, we as the people of God, we've been given a mission. We've been given a purpose by God himself to spread the love to spread the joy, to spread the peace, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. We've been given the mission. That's God's plan for us. We are God's plan to reach this world with the good news and to see our world come to life again. The early church understood it was up to them. My friends, we must understand it's up to us. It's up to you and me because nobody else is coming. Nobody else is coming. And that's the title of my message tonight to stay on this harvest theme that we're in. Nobody else, no one else is coming. To be honest, I didn't come up with this title. I listened to a message by a pastor named Rich Wilkerson Jr., and it's an awesome message. And this phrase stuck with me, and I'm not preaching the same message he preached, but I'm using the same passage, saying a few of the same things, but this is what God placed in me, as well as what I heard from him. This is the message. Here we go. No one else is coming. Look at your neighbor and say, nobody else is coming. You can do better than that. Look at your other neighbor. I heard a couple of you. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. The first goal of this sermon is this. As I've already stated, I want to convince you of the fact that the church is God's plan to reach the world. 
That was God's intention. It is His intention. If you know God, if you know God, you are a part of His plan. If you're not convinced of that, let's go to the Word. Let me convince you through the Word of God. Let's go to John 17. Before we go there, we're going to read John 17, 20 through 26. John 17, the whole chapter is the high priestly prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed before he was arrested and he would be hung on the cross. This is Jesus' final prayer. And we get to have a peek into what Jesus was praying to the Father about before he would lay his life down for us. Let's read this together. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that you have sent me. I may know to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them." This 26-verse long prayer we see recorded in John 17, in verse 1 through 5, Jesus was praying for himself. In verses 6 through 19, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And then in verse 20 through 26, Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is praying for the church. That was the end of his prayer. Jesus felt it necessary to pray for his people, to pray for the church, present and future, for you and for me. And in this prayer, Jesus prayed three main things for us. Number one is this. Jesus prayed, to sum it up, that we would be a unified body, that the church would be a unified body, a like-minded body, a body with the same heartbeat, a body with the same mission. Second thing, he prayed that we would be a body full of love for him and for our neighbor. Thirdly, so that we could be witnesses of the greatest story ever told. Jesus was not praying for the world. He was praying for the church. He was praying for the ones that he called to reach the world. We, you, I, are God's plan to reach the world with the good news of Jesus. If you still aren't convinced... That's Jesus' final prayer. Let's go to the final words of Jesus before the ascension. And I'm going to turn there in my Bible. 
right now. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is what it says. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's go to Acts 1.8. This is what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus' final words. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are God's plan A to reach the world with the good news of Jesus, and there is no plan B. There's no plan B. We are plan A because nobody else is coming. Nobody else is coming. My next goal in this message is to convince you that was my first goal. Excuse me. My next goal is to inspire you. The truth is, Jesus commanded us to do this. We really shouldn't need inspired. But I'm a human. Sometimes I need inspired. I don't know about you. Sometimes I need some inspiration. So here we go. I want to give you three things. Three things. Look at your neighbor say three. Just want to make sure you're awake. Three. Three things. Number one. There is... No other answer. There is no other answer. Our world has some real issues. I'm going to name just a few. Poverty is an issue. Racism is an issue. Hunger is an issue. Abortion is an issue. Human trafficking is an issue. Drug addiction is an issue. Disease is an issue. Boys and girls being raised in motherless and fatherless homes. That's just a few of the world's issues. Our community is not exempt from those issues. We live in a community that's ravaged by poverty, by kids growing up in homes that don't have a mom or a dad, by racism. There are people in this town right now who are hungry. Drug and substance abuse is rampant in Poplar Bluff. And we as the church of Jesus are called to meet those needs. To clothe the clothless, to feed the hungry, to stand against racism, to help the orphan, to help the widow. Scripture instructs us to do those things. But while we fight those things, we cannot forget that our world has one real issue, one big problem that causes all those other problems. That problem is this. Our world's biggest problem is sin. That's our world's biggest problem. Where did all this begin? Sin. That's where all of this stemmed from. 
Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our world's not just full of bad people. That's just not the right word. Our problem is our world's full of dead people. Because sin doesn't just make you bad. Sin makes you dead. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus came as a response to the sin problem. He came as the answer to the sin problem. 1 John 3 and 5, you know that he appeared in order to take away the sins of the world, and in him there is no sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. One of the things all of humanity has in common is that we're all born with a sin problem. But we are the church of Jesus Christ. We know the answer to sin because we have found the answer. And it's our job to spread that answer to everyone. The answer to sin is Jesus. The cure for sin is Jesus. Forgiveness of sin is only found in Jesus. True life, eternal life, is only found in Jesus. We should not be ashamed of it. The answer is not meant to be kept to ourselves. Because nobody else is coming. I told you I drank a lot of coffee today. Number two, number two, there is no other person. There is no other person. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus was and he is the true Messiah. There is no other way. There is no other name. There is no other God. Life is found in no one else other than Jesus. Why am I making this point? We've got to understand, although we are God's plan to spread the good news of Jesus, we aren't the world's savior. We're not. Jesus is. Jesus is. We're not the savior of the world. Jesus is. So when you're out there living for Jesus, being the church, and telling others the good news of the gospel, don't forget these four things. Four things. I'll just... Read them off, because I don't want to mess them up. If people reject the gospel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting the one you represent. Number two, you can't save them. 
You can't save them. All you can do is point them to the one who can. That's all you can do. Number three, it's not about saying all the right things. You know, when Jesus went and hung out with Zachariah, Zacharias, excuse me, Zacchaeus, good grief. How'd I mess that up? My name's Zach. Anyway, Jesus went and hung out with Zacchaeus. He went to his house. He said, hey, bro, I'm coming to your house today. He comes over to Jesus. Or Jesus comes over to his house. He gets saved. The house gets saved. You know what's awesome? We don't know what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. We have no idea. All we know is that he found Jesus. He went and sold a bunch of his stuff, gave back to those he stole from, many times more. And sometimes when I read the Gospels, I wonder, why is this here and why are certain things not here? Why... Why wouldn't we know what Jesus said? It would have been really cool to know what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. This is what I believe. Jesus didn't inspire man to write what he said to Zacchaeus because he didn't want us to think that there's some magical formula to see people saved. Because there's not. There's not some magical formula. Now, should we be inspired by the Holy Spirit when we speak to people? Yes. Is it important that we know Scripture? Yes, but we need to stop obsessing and thinking that we've got to just have this magic formula together. It's not A squared plus B squared equals salvation. It doesn't work like that. Our job is not to have and say all the right things. Our job is to point people to Jesus. That's our job. Last thing. We cannot convict people. We can't. We can condemn them. We can try to guilt them into salvation, but we can't convict. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. That's not our job. We must spread the name of Jesus. We must tell his story. We must give everyone on earth a chance to accept or reject the gospel. People need a shot, people need a chance. That's God's desire. So our job is to spread his name. That's our mission because, as I've said, nobody else. Nobody else is coming. Nobody else. Third thing. There are no other people. There are no other people if we don't tell the world about Jesus who will if we don't who will Romans 10 14 and 15 how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's not just about preachers. That's about you and I. It's a major mistake to believe the narrative that people in this town have heard the gospel. We live in the Bible Belt, right? There's a lot of churches in this town. We got like 17,000 people. 
We've got like 14,000 churches. <laughs> anyway. Uh, forgive me, Lord. Anyway. I believe if we could poll our entire town and community, if we could just take a poll of every single person, even in Butler County, which I believe is around 42,000 people, I think it would blow our minds how many people have really never heard the good news. I think it would blow your mind. Don't make the mistake. Don't make this mistake that everybody's heard. We have the responsibility of letting people know. That's our responsibility. It's time for the church. It's time for you. It's time for me to rise up, to get united with the same mission, the same cause like Jesus wanted us to be and like the early church was. That we would do it full of love. We'd be full of love for the world and love for our neighbors and love for one another. John 13, 35, for by this they will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That we would be united. That we would be full of love and that we would be witnesses of Jesus Christ. If we would do that, if we would do that, if we would do it, we will, not may, we will be the most powerful force in our community. I'm just going to keep here and keep shaking my head till you believe it. We will be the most powerful force in our community, and we will be the most powerful force. In our world, Matthew 16, 18 says this, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When we are united, when we are full of love, when we are set on being people carrying the mission of Jesus, nothing can stop us no one can stop us. Hell itself can't stop us. The devil himself cannot stop a united church. We got to get this. We got to get it. Not just know it. Not just get it, but it has to go from that and it has to be who we are. It has to be how we live. If you truly believe it, you'll live it. In closing, we are the hope of the world because we have the hope of the world living inside of us. We are God's plan to spread the good news of Jesus because there is no other answer but Jesus. There is no other per person but Jesus, and there are no other people but the church. Nobody else, nobody else is coming. It's up to us. The hope of our community, 
is found in the believers of our community. The hope of our world is found in the believers in our world. It's time for you and I to be the church every day and everywhere. Every day and everywhere. That was God's plan all along. Nobody else is coming. Would you stand? We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. I'm gonna do I'm gonna keep shaking my head till you believe. Not that it really matters how much I shake this head, but we can do it. And this is this is just a a a message that I just hope inspires you to go, man. Just go. Just go. Just go be the church. That's the world's answer. That's, that's what this world needs. They don't just need you to invite them to church. They don't just need you to invite them to an event. They need you in the factory, in the office, at Walmart, at Lost Moss, after church, to be the church. Can you give me just a second? Thank you. Our God is calling us to be a light in this dark place. If we would just do it, man, if we would just do it, if we would just get inspired and live like nobody else is coming, it would change everything. It would change everything. Would change everything. Would you just bow your heads with me right now? I want you to join with the person next to you. Join their hands or put your hand on their shoulder, whatever you're comfortable with. If you don't have anybody next to you, get next to somebody. We're going to pray. I want you to pray for the person next to you on each side or one side, whichever. Begin to pray for them right now. God, let the palace of praise be the church that you're calling us to be. Passionate for our neighbor, passionate for the lost, 
full of compassion, full of love. Help us to believe your word. Help us to believe that we're meant to be a force that can't be stopped by hell itself. That we are the answer because you're the answer. We are the hope because you're the hope. Let us point to you, Jesus. Let us glorify your name and exalt you in everything we do, wherever we are. Let us be the church 168 hours a week, day by day by day by day by day. And as we do that, we're believing for a harvest. We're believing for souls to be saved. We're believing for lives to be transformed and changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let this church be a light everywhere they go. Let them, Lord, invade the darkness and may darkness must run and flee from the light, God. 